0: You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara, And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking
1: about friendships in fiction and interviewing authors Aminatu, So, and Anne Friedman. But first, what are you reading, Bria? Speaking of uh, friendships, um, I you know I don't often talk about arcs on the show because I always want to talk about things that people can get now Uh, maybe that's my own impatience that i if i hear about something i'm like i can't even get it like that there's something about me that gets upset about it i I definitely feel that um so i am but i'm reading an arc and i kind of wanted to talk about it just because um it's a past guest of our show it's uh we could be heroes by mike (gasps) chen oh my god it's so good it's really good well i'm only like halfway through um and it is about two people who uh, live in the same city and they both woke up at some point and discovered that they had superpowers. One is super strong and can hover and has like, you know, kind of Superman-like qualities and the other one can um, look through your mind- see your memories uh, and also stun you, brain stun you so you can't move. And the one that gets super strong becomes this kind of superhero vigilante and the other one... With a really cool outfit. With a cool outfit. Her name is Throwing Star. And then the other one uh, becomes like a, a bank robber. But then, of course, they meet and they realize they have this thing in common where they both woke up at some point and things were... And they didn't know anything about their past. So it has this, like, interesting, like, memory aspect and then they're trying to, like, figure out what happened to them. Um... It's great so far. We love Mike Chen. I think he's such a great writer. And um, this book is totally up my alley because it's got superheroes, but it's like a new take on the superhero genre with really interesting, cool main characters. And it's kind of told from both of their perspectives. Um,
0: Yeah, I loved it. I'm loving it so far. It is so much fun. It's really funny. It's a little bit of... I know Mike Chen was like, oh, it's a little bit of a departure from what I normally do with my sci-fi, but it's not in the way that it's still, like, centered around really amazing characters that you're really rooted for and you're, like, really invested in it, but it's just, like... I, I you can tell that this book is wicked because I'm not a superhero person and I fucking love this book
1: yeah but in the way that I feel like his work tends to be very his characters are very grounded you yeah. know like like I buy his characters always and it's always about the relationships that they're having and that's what this seems to be as well um and it comes out in January of 2021 so if you're interested in this um you can pre-order it I'm sure and um uh get it get ready to read it it come January uh
0: what are you yes. reading so i'm reading a book that i'm pretty sure is going to be on my best of list uh nice. at the end of this year it is uh we got i got a mallory wheelhouse alert it's a werewolf book and mm. that's like when i bought it i like that's all i saw i saw the word werewolf and i was like i don't want to read anything else and i and i ordered it uh it came out recently it's called um on oh, or maybe it came out last year i have to look uh but it's a uh, empire of wild by sherry demeline and it is it's so much fun. It is about this woman and when the book starts, her husband has been missing for almost a year. Like she is deeply in love with him and they got in a fight and he's been missing for a really long time and she's just crushed. And she lives in this, uh, small Canadian community with her family. They are all native and they're all like trying to support her, but they're at the point where like your husband has been gone for a really long time. Something probably isn't something's bad. Something bad has probably happened. Um, but she hasn't has not given up, and then she, one day she ends up going and, and and find and like coming running across this like weird Christian tent revival place in the parking lot of a Walmart, and she goes in, and her husband's in there, and he's the preacher, oh, cool. but oh he doesn't he doesn't recognize her. Uh, oh, that sounds she, so good. But she knows something is wrong. And so she goes and consults with her mom and her grandma and some of the elders of her community, and there's some werewolf magic going on. Whoa, that Uh, sounds so cool. You would love this. And it is so good. It's kind of spooky, and it is just like, I, I love it so much. I love all the characters. I love this. It's like a very interesting, totally new take on a werewolf story. So, And I, I also kind of love it because it's like a switch around where um, it's this woman who's trying to rescue her husband rather than like a damsel in distress story. And she's like, has to try to go remind him, her husband, that he is hers and he's a, he's a human again. And it's, oh, it's so good. Um, so that's Empire of, Wire, Empire of Wild by Sherry D. Maline. And mine is We Could Be Heroes by Mike Chen. All right. So we're going to read some listener feedback, but before we do, we have to read a rebuttal that has been (laughs) quite a saga on reading glasses. And we finally can put this to rest. Uh, A book mystery has been solved. A book like Law and Order <laughs> Noise, and I was like, oh, that's perfect. And then there's like a, a montage of me and Bria in like 90s pantsuits, like yeah. looking around things. So
1: we've <laughs> I, have, consulted- I have a giant, like, I keep a giant magnifying glass, and I'm just just my eye magnified really big. <laughs> and I'm at a desk, and the camera looks at me, and I look up, and like, oh, hello, hello. And then you cut to a room, and I'm like losing my mind, and I have a bunch of string <laughs> attached to uh, various things. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm crying in the shower. I don't know how. <laughs> so, in a detective show, there's always a scene where the detective is crying in the shower. It's, it's upsetting being detective, you know. A tough job. <laughs> well, we've, we've uh, we can rest our case because we have consulted with some secret library sources, which we will n- not name, and are the thing that we had read on a, an episode previously about uh ebooks not being returned when you turn it, uh, your e-reader on airplane mode is false. Yeah. Okay. Wait, f- wait. Let's let's back it up because
1: I feel like we need to explain this. So this is. So it's it's Saga. Right it's been
0: a reading glasses someone saga. Because
1: I admitted that I leave my e-reader on, on airplane mode. So that way my books don't get returned to the library. I get to keep them longer. And I was like, it's not really hurting anyone. And then someone wrote in and they said, this is hurting someone. When you keep them on your e-reader, they don't go back to the library. If you have your... Um, your airplane mode on, and I was like, and then we were like, oh, no, and then I was like, what about the e-readers I lost? Do those never go back? Like, I because I've lost two e-readers, and so and they had library books on them. So we went to the source, and what is the answer
0: here? They go back to your, the, on the date that they're due, they go back to the library. They just go back, yeah. That's Bria, you're call. not a criminal. Okay, good.
1: I, I kind of thought, but I did not, I wanted to believe the person, I mean, I'm very, um. what's the word where you believe people? Gullible. No. That's not Na- the word. Naive, gullible? No, it's actually, like, a nicer word. What is it, like, uh, trust? Credulous. I'm credulous. I'm very credulous. You are I, very I believe people when they say things to me. Um, and, yeah, okay, so we know now. We know. that we know. I am a criminal, it but is, I'm uh, not hurting, at least. Our, the books our, are our being secret returned.
0: library source said that it was a victimless crime. Um, all right, so it's a victimless but crime. It is a victimless crime. You can... Lease your e-reader on airplane mode for a couple of days, uh, and but it will be re- returned to the library on the date that it's due. Bria, what? you are exonerated. Cool.
1: So it's still I still have it. I can still finish my book. Good. You're know. all set. Okay.
0: You're safe. <laughs> All right, back to our regularly scheduled program. We can put this missed, <laughs> we can put this one to the to rest. This is now uh, officially. I don't know what happens at the end of a detective show if they like put it in a Manila folder and put it yeah. in a filing cabinet, but
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's I be in know. the
0: annals of that reading is glasses. the most boring ending of all time. <laughs> Just like, the Manila folder. No, because folder you get to ending. go on a reading spree, an <laughs> e-reading spree. <laughs> all right, here we go. Some, so, um, we want to sh- take a moment to share some listener feedback. Jenny wrote in about book nostalgia. Uh, Loved your latest show on book nostalgia and book programs. I wanted to share uh, about a new nonprofit book program for children called the Loving Little Minds Home Library Project. Uh, It was launched in the days following the protests of George, George Floyd's murder. And their mission is to send free monthly children's multicultural books to kids age zero to six. Must be so weird to be a kid and be like I'm zero. <laughs> I, don't think they, I no. do not. think they, they have I, no I concept aged, of time. <laughs> I am I am ageless. Uh, so, but the books normalize diversity, promote self acceptance, uh, and battle systemic racism. And it was founded by an inter- interracial couple who are also my friends. And their kids are some of the cutest advocates. They rely on community donations for funding and could really use the support. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook at Loving Little Minds. Uh, Very cute. I love it. And we'll link in the show to if you want to support yes. them. Uh, that sounds amazing.
1: Uh, Robert, Rob wrote in and said, As a fifth grade teacher, I've been opposed to extrinsic motivations for reading like the Book It program for a long time. But hearing Bria cite, that's me, hearing Bria cite the study <laughs> that showed its lasting effects has made me rethink my position. And scholastic book fairs are still a highlight for students. Oh, that's good to know. Um, we like, it's like Christmas for kids. I just learned last year that the scholastic book fairs are different from the newsprint book orders that go home with kids, although they are p- both part of the Scholastic Book Corporation. Book clubs and book fairs are two completely different divisions. They don't have anything to do with one another. If you ever want to peek behind the curtain of how classic promotes reading, they would be a fascinating episode all of its own. Uh, maybe we should do that. But more importantly, I think we can all agree that Dolly Parton is a national treasure. I say, tear down every Confederate statue and replace it with Dolly, make the world a better
0: place. We Woo. agree. We agree. I will say this is going to take us a few weeks because we got a lot of feedback oh, about I, our book nostalgia episode. I assumed it would be a People real are very excited off. about book nostalgia. It was really, really cool. Um, so Tara wrote in saying, I am obsessed with the to- Dolly Parton Imagina- Imagination Station books and love them. We're foster parents, so we've signed up every kid when they're with us and then changed the address when they go home so they're getting books at their new Aww. home. Uh, our adoptive son was just born and I signed him, I signed him in his first week of life. Love it. Uh, the books do a great job of being about diverse characters from diverse authors and about important stuff like being a good friend by listening or feeling your feelings or accepting others. Uh, and for that Dolly Parton memoir, there's a new one coming out in October by Sarah Smarsh. She comes by it natural, which uses Dolly's life to look at feminism and the patriarchy. I have have it in my two reads list in my Book Buddy, and I will be getting that from the library. I'm very excited about it. Very people exciting. people are very excited about Dolly Parton, and they're very excited about book nostalgia. We yeah, are, I believe. Oh, that. Can you imagine if we can get Dolly Parton to come on the show? Wow, uh, uh, I would, I couldn't handle it. We would lose our minds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I what could you help. ever say to Dolly Parton? Like, oh, nothing, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> just just bask in her glow. Oh, incredible. Uh, So you can always email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And we have a couple bookmarks. Uh, Just a quick reminder about Bria's upcoming graphic novel.
1: Yeah, you can still pre-order my graphic novel. It's called Mary. And comes out in October, the first week of October. Um, I know some people have told me they pre ordered it, and I really, really, really appreciate it. As we or, talk about it on the show. Or ask the, your library to order it? Yes, yes, library. It's a graphic novel. They can definitely order it. Um, and as we talked about it on the show, it's super helpful to those of us who are writing things. Uh, my publisher was really excited because he was like, I guess he got. Somehow he found out that we had some pre-orders. I don't know. But he was really excited about it because uh, it's through a really small, independent company. Um, so anything... It's it's going to be tough for us to get it out there. So... Um Anything you can do to help or just talk about it or tell your library about it. That's, I mean, you, you don't even have to spend any money.
0: Just order it from your library. And it's coming in October. So why would you not want to read a graphic novel, novel by your pal Bria Grant, who about, is about spooky ladies? About spooky uh,
1: young adult ladies having, discovering who, their life,
0: what they should do with their lives and having romances. It's very fun. It's going to be awesome. Very excited about it. Uh, so, you can pre order that now. There's a link in the show notes. We also want to remind folks about our new partnership with Libero FM. Uh, we adore Libero FM. They are an audiobook company. So, if you're an audiobook person, you need to get on it. Yeah. So, we're partnering with them. It's a promo code glasses will put a, uh, there's always, there will from now be a perpetual link in the show notes to our Libero FM account. Um, so, it basically it lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. So, you you get an audiobook that you own forever you get to support your local bookstore and you get to support us so there's basically there's no win there's no losing here it's Mm -hmm. Awesome. And you can choose from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers, recommendations from booksellers around the country. You'll get the same audiobooks that you would get from any other audiobook company at the same price, Uh, but you'll be part of a totally different narrative here. You'll be supporting your local bookstore and your community. It's awesome. We always recommend trying out audiobooks on the show. Now's the time. So you can go to Libro FM and promo code glasses and or we'll just just click the sweet link in the in the show notes. So before we talk about friendship in fiction, we're gonna take a quick break. Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy, and I'm Taylor Smurl. And together we host a podcast called Still Buffering, where we answer questions like Why should I not fall asleep first at a slumber party? How do I be fleet? Is it okay to break up with someone using emojis? And sometimes we talk about bugs. No, we don't. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Find out the answers to these important questions and many more on Still Buffering, a sister's guide to teens through the ages. I am a teenager. And, and-
2: I was two.
3: Butts, 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 butts. No. But you
1: changed your mind for two
0: This week, we're talking about one of the most important types of relationships there is. So there's a lot of books out there about finding true love. There's a whole romance genre for a reason. Uh, But what about friendships and books that explore relationships between friends? What about bestie books? Um, Family books are, of course, very popular and lots of people, including myself, love reading a good romance book. We love a good heaving story. Uh I think now that's what we should just call them now. Instead of romance books, they're just heaving books.
1: Yeah. And then like people who are fans can be called heaves. I'm, just, I'm a real I'm he- a heaver I'm a real heave for
0: that I'm real I love I'm heaving for it I love it <laughs> um so but I we think books that explore our friendships are just as important uh so many of us are taught that the goal of life is you know like finding a romantic partner and, and like boom heavily happily ever after uh but finding close friendships are as important as finding your significant other uh and I love reading books about them I hate that like weird relationship hierarchy there is you know what Mm -hmm, i mean mm -hmm. like the most important person is like your romantic partner while like your friends are kind of like oh oh well you know like there's that whole thing where like oh my friend just got a boyfriend so now she's not like our friend anymore i hate that yeah yeah i hate that too there's some statistic that i was looking for and i couldn't find it before
1: we started the show um but it was um it was about uh in movies it's it's a really, really high percentage of movies have a romantic plot or subplot to them. And it's like, I want to say it's like 80, 90%. Someone can probably find the statistic, but it's kind of crazy. But as a person who directed a movie about female friendships, um, there are so few movies about specifically female friendships to the point where like, I can actually name all of them like I can name them like there's so yeah. few ones where the female friendship is at the forefront um mm-hmm. it's just not something we show that much in media, which is interesting yes
0: I, I agree and I mean like obviously I love my boyfriend very much, but I also like my best I love my best friend and I like we talk about that all the time and like how we wish that those kinds of friendships were valued a little bit more by society and by by media so Bria, what are your some of your favorite fictional friendships. Yeah,
1: well, just what I mean, just a second that I just literally one nice thing about lockdown is that um, my friends, I've had some of the same friends for 20 years, we met like our first year of college. And um, we all got on Marco Polo and started talking to each other that way. But then now we have weekly catch ups every Saturday where we get to talk to each other. And this is it's tough because... Um, a lot of them have kids, a lot of them, I mean, we all have jobs, obviously, you know, and so it's always been really tough, but because we're all locked down, we've had so much time to catch up and I'm just like, I, it's, those people are my family, you know what I mean? Like, I think that there's this like differentiation and for me, I would do anything for them, you know, and I feel like they feel the same way about me and, um, uh, like, I mean, they just, they're very, very important to me. So yes, I love a good friendship book. Um, I, so, well, first of all, I have to say, um, in the reading Classes Slack channel, you you brought this up in the room, and we like, "What do you think about uh, what? What are your, who are your favorite fictional friendships?" And someone said Charlotte and Wilbur from Charlotte's Web, and I was like, oh, "The my best." Heart. Oh, it's My such heart. a good – it was such a good reference. And I was like, that is so good. And I literally couldn't think of one to top that. I was like, that is, like, the best friendship. Who doesn't want a spoo- a, a spider
0: friend, like a
1: spooky pal? A spider friend who is, you know, who saves your life. That is just, like, an amazing, amazing friendship. Um, in more recent books um, – I know we retired this, but My Best Friend's Exorcism.
0: I think someone actually brought this oh, up in the, in the room, too. They did, and this is such a good one.
1: It's such a good one because – I think teenage female friendships are some of the most intense relationships you'll ever have. (laughs) Oh, God, yeah.
0: Like, those friendships are more intense than, like, most romantic relationships
1: that you have. Absolutely. You know them better. You know everything about them. It's, like, so intense. Um, And I feel like that book actually captured that really well in a really interesting way. Um, And then one I read really recently was A Song Below Water by Bethany C. uh, Morrow, and it has a really great – it's like um, a fantasy set modern day, um, and it has um, a really great friendship at its core about these two young teenage girls. I really like a teenage girl friendship. That is very, yeah. that's very fun. We Ride Upon Upon Sticks had a really good one, too. I know you loved that.
0: Yeah, uh, honestly, that's, it's still, you know, we're we're recording, and I will say, it is funny, so the last episode that came out, Bria was about to leave from Bulgaria, for Bulgaria, to shoot uh, the show Pandora, which she is directing two episodes of this season, Uh, and she just came back, so now, even though it's been only a week for you, Reading Glasses listeners, it has been over, this is the first time me and Bria have gotten to talk in over a month, Um, but... It, it we're so, so we're recording this in September now and nothing has topped We Ride Upon Sticks. Oh, so, wow. I have read a bunch of really good books for this year, but nothing has topped We Ride Upon Sticks. And I think that's one of the reasons I might have to put that in my wheelhouse. I mean, the big one for me that really colored my childhood uh, is Frodo and Sam. Oh yeah. Good one. Good one. Good one. Which I, I am such a sucker for a bestie story. Uh, I cry like a fucking baby when Sam carries Frodo up the mountain. I cry like a baby when Frodo leaves for the Greylands in the West, like it leaves Sam. Cause like, I, I, I feel the same. So my best friend, Lauren lives in New York city. And it's funny because we are, I, we see a lot of friendships that are trying to adapt to being long distance, but we've been doing that for like four years. Um, But I always feel like, yeah, like I love, I love Jeremy. I want to be with Jeremy forever, but I also want to be Lauren's best friend forever. Like that friendship is just as important to me. And I love stories that explore that. And I so yeah, I, I think close female friendships is in my wheelhouse. Um, I love like the book Undead Girl Gang that exploring that female friendship is amazing. Um, Jeff Sentner's Rain and Delilah's Midnight Matinee was really really fun because that is it's a great YA book because it's exploring friendship at that weird time when you're like leaving high school and starting college and you're like, do we keep this friendship going? How do we stay friends at this like big transition in our lives? Um, another. Favorite of mine for the year that's definitely going to be in my top books of the tw- of twenty twenty is Things in Jars by Just Kid. Mm. I think I talked about it on the show a while yeah. ago. Yeah, you did. Um, yeah, yeah. I want to read this. Her for- oh, you- Bria, you'll love it. It's so good. The friendships in that are really fantastic. Um, so, uh, yeah. So I don't think it matters either adult, adult books or YA or middle grade. I love. Uh, women being close together and supporting each other i love people of any gender being close and supporting each other i just think yeah i think we have this like weird western obsession with this like relationship hierarchy so i love stories that kind of challenge that and i think it's so important uh so on the flip side bria do you have any friendships or like types of friendships that are in your doghouse
1: not not really so i think i just like the exploration of friendship in general But I will say I think I'd like something I'd like to see more of, which is that I'd like to see more about adult friendships starting because it is really hard as an adult to start a friendship. Like, I think it's so much easier to start a romantic relationship, strangely, or something. But to meet someone and to be like, oh, we're going to be friends and like have friend dates and like find things in common as an adult is actually quite difficult. Yes, um, for sure. And, and so I like when books kind of dive into that topic where people meet and it turns out they have things in common, but they don't necessarily want to date each other. Uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting to me. Um, what about you? Do you have things in your doghouse related to friendships? Well,
0: that I mean, that actually is kind of related to my doghouse thing. Um, and I, So I hate when there is a great friendship and something starts like that and then at the very end they realize that they're in love with each other. Like, I wish that we would leave more room for best friends in literature without ha- everyone having to fall in love with all, each other all the time. I think that's the problem I had with the ending of Harry Potter. Like, and then they all fell in love and they married each other and they lived happily, every a- happily ever after. Like, I think maybe that's why M- Enemies to Lovers is so yeah, popular. Yeah, I was to say, you're about to get... I feel like you're going to get some feedback on this
1: because people love an enemies to lovers.
0: But I, I, I like enemies to lovers is fine, but I get, and there's some stories where I, I'm like, okay, it's really cute when they're, when they're best friends to lovers. And to be fair, me, my boyfriend and I were really good friends for five years before we started dating. Why do you not like this when This is your life story. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. Me and, uh, me and Jeremy are, are Harry and, and Ginny. Um, But it was just funny because my boyfriend looks a lot like Harry Potter. Um, But I just think that I I dislike it because it seems like the, it's like the default. Like, oh, Mm. these two characters and they're really close to each other. They must be in love. Like the only outcome for that is for them to be in love and to end up being married when they could just also be best friends you know what i mean like i want more a little more room like i like i was saying before like i also as much as i love jeremy and plan on being with him for the rest of my life i also love my best friend lauren and plan on being her best friend for the rest of my life like Mm -hmm. there's more there's room for more types of relationships i think and i wish there was more of that so i really hate i think i would hate this type of ending to a book less if there were more things to counteract it you know what I mean yeah yeah I get it but I understand the need to like want to
1: tie up your story with like um with a, with like you, you're tying up the story in some ways like which yeah, is an uh, interesting uh take on like yeah relationship hierarchy or even like heteronormativity in some ways that people end up <laughs> together. Um, yeah and
0: I, I I will say I actually do really like a story that is like me and Jeremy where like they are best friends or they're like really good friends and they are in love with each other, but they couldn't possibly he couldn't possibly like me she couldn't possibly like me I think that that's very cute, but I just I, again I think and and that's honestly the problem that so many folks have it's with a lot of the diversity in literature it's not that the stuff that exists is always bad. it would just be better if there was more of it more diversity and more mm. different types of stories than, than like than the only type of story that we see is like the two heteronormative white people like becoming friends and then marry each other in the end. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I,
1: I don't know it doesn't bother me. I, ha- I mean, one of my best friends is a is a boy. I guess he's a man
0: if I really thought about it. <laughs> my best friend is a six-year-old boy that I met. He's, fair, he's really cool.
1: And we would never end up together. And so I don't know if this is just like my, like, m- because I do go to literature for some escapism, where maybe there's part of me that's like, oh, I don't mind it, because it's just sort of like that's their way of, of like ending this story neatly, you know, or something. Yeah. I don't know. But but I could see what you're saying. You just, you're just looking for something where people just are actually friends.
0: Yeah, well, I think that's why I liked... Uh, Undead girl gang so much because that book really ex- like the whole the the central thing in that story is that female friendship. Everything else is sort of ancillary, mm-hmm. and I really wish there were. If folks have cr- other amazing bestie stories, whether it's YA or middle grade or adult, please send them to us. We really we really want to hear them. Uh, but we just we want more of them, and we think they're they're so important. And it's such a great. I think it's especially important for uh, for teenagers and for the YA audience to read because you're just like. You know, there's, and there are some books out there that are about how toxic they can be. But like, I I love reading a great story where you're like, teens are going through some hard teen things, but they have their best friend and they that and they get them get each other through the weird hormonal shit that's happening to them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I love it. So you can send your thoughts on uh, friendship books to reading glasses Podcast at gmail.com before we talk to Amina Tuso and Anne Friedman, co-hosts of the Call Your Girlfriend podcast and co-authors of the new memoir, Big Friendship. We're going to take a quick break. Hey, I'm Janet Farney, host of the JV Club podcast. Ah, oh, high school. Was it a time of adventure, romance, and discovery? Class of 95, we did it! Or... A time of angst, disappointment, and confusion. We're all tied together by four years of trauma at this place, but enjoy adulthood, I guess. The truth is, it was both. So join me on the JV Club podcast where I invite some great friends like Kristen Bell, Angela Kinsey, Oscar Nunez, Neil Patrick Harris, and Keegan Michael Key to talk about high school, the good, the bad, and everything in between. My teenage mood swings are getting harder to manage. The JV Club. Find it on Maximum Fun. So here we are with the co-hosts of the podcast, Call Your Girlfriend, and the co-authors of Big Friendship. Thank you both so much for joining us. If you could just introduce
2: yourselves. Sure. I am Ann Friedman. Um, I'm a journalist and a writer and I send an email newsletter and I do also all of the things you just mentioned with
3: uh, Aminatu.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Hi, I am Aminatu. I am a writer and an interviewer and I am currently trying to figure out what I'm going to do next in my life. So if you have any great ideas, please let me know.
0: Well, I mean, things seem to be working out with you as an author, so uh, maybe you should keep going with that.
3: Okay. Okay. I'll take that under advisement. <laughs> so put one down
2: for write more. I'm also in your camp. I would love to read more books by too.
3: Oh God. Um, that chapter was closed. <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> <laughs> well,
0: in the meantime, what are you both reading right now?
3: Oh man. I am trying not to read books right now, actually, and it's been very, very uh, good for me. I am reading um, a zine by, um, made by Molly Young called The Things They Fancied, and it was, I believe, like, research and written during quarantine, and, you know, it's uh, I, the tagline is uh, a zine about the sick and twisted hobbies of rich people throughout history, and so far, it's very delightful.
0: That sounds amazing. Mm.
3: I am reading.
2: Well, I'm always reading a couple different things at any given time. I um, I just finished the novel Parakeet by Marie-Helene Bertino, um, which uh, I enjoyed and read in like a day. It's like a slim and kind of delightful read. Um, and I am like such a process nerd. The reason I picked up this book is because I read, um, I read like a thing she wrote for. Um, Jamie Attenberg's like writing prompts email in which she said that her goal in writing this novel was just to delight herself on every page, and um, it really made me oh i like oh I want to know what what self delight looks like and and I just like I love that as a guiding light for um, like is this is this novel doing what I want it to do so. Um, I was maybe extra delighted by it because I was looking for that <laughs> in it. Um, but it was like a, it was like, it was a quick and a pretty great read, despite it dealing with some like very heavy subject matter. It still felt like air quotes light to me, and I think that that is the reason. Um, and now I am reading some N.K. Jemisin, the fifth season. I am like, I need to really dip into a whole other world. Like, give me other languages, give me other <laughs> continents. I am um, kind of in a. In escapist mode with that.
0: What a mood. Agreed. <laughs> mm.
2: So, speaking of books, can you
0: both tell us about your new amazing book, uh, Big Friendship?
3: Mm. Oh, Big can Friendship? We? <laughs> like, can we talk about it? Um, well, Big Friendship is a memoir of our friendship, our uh, decade long friendship. And it also has some, you know, like, expert opinions uh woven through and some research and some pop psychology about friendship we we were really trying to capture um you know the mood of our friendship and also the way that we really talk to each other and and really give some um some language to uh feelings that are really familiar in friendship but no one really names and
2: we also wanted to try to write a memoir that um, captured a kind of joint experience in friendship. Um, there are definitely a few books that were um, that we looked at in, in the process of figuring out how we were going to write this that involved like a dueling chapters structure where, where there are co-authors and kind of passing the story back and forth between them. Um, and we, we ultimately decided that we wanted to try to write this in a joint we voice so that the reader would never be forced to choose. Because I think like one thing that has been really true in our friendship is that we are aware that like, we are not living, um, in a shared reality all of the time. We like both have our own stories about things like both wonderful and difficult that have come up in our friendship. And so writing this in one narrative is a way of, was a way of challenging ourselves to say like, what is a joint truth? And also a way of inviting a reader to kind of say, like, okay, like this is the third space of a relationship, the the, the joint reality, um, as opposed to what's happening for each of you individually.
0: So that was going to be my next question: is what what's writing a memoir in tandem like? Was there a lot of like, oh my gosh, I didn't even remember this happened, or oh my gosh, this story was so great that I didn't experience it like this? Like, what is it like to write such something that's so personal with someone else?
3: I mean I think that because we were writing about our story um so so much of it felt familiar you know and um it would it would be very different I guess if we were we were writing about something else but I I think that the thing that always surprised me was that even in a story that you know even when we remembered an incident or you know some an episode in our friendship or you know like whatever like even the tiniest detail Um, It just carried different meaning for both of us. And, uh, and so that would happen a lot or, you know, and then sometimes like the opposite also was true where we would be writing and we, we had to, you know, it's like, we'd have to figure out like, what's a, what's a story from our friendship that illustrates this point we're trying to make. And I would get really excited when we would, when we would come to the exact same conclusion that made me really happy because duh, like we're friends (laughs) and, (laughs) uh, and, uh, yeah, we share some of the same experiences. So I writing with someone else is, uh, I, it's very strange. It's just all of it is very strange and memory is very elastic and weird, but it's very delightful when you can um, really start peeling that onion back.
0: So do you both have some favorite friendships from fiction, like novels or even movies, if you want that are just friendships that you love that are iconic to you?
2: uh of course. Actually, like it's really interesting because I think um in the realm of fiction and in the realm of like television in particular, like, I mean, movies as well. We could think of a lot of examples where we're like, oh yes, like this, this story really captures an aspect of ours. And um, it was really more in the realm of memoir that we were like, oh, we, we haven't read a lot of um, a lot, a lot of narrative about the things that we've been through. And so like, I don't know, like to take one, um recent example is like you know season four of Insecure is like a great example of like wow this is like a difficult friendship that viewers are really invested in um that is now going through a rough patch and because you have the context of understanding um like what these two friends mean to each other the breakdown is like all the more um I guess like narratively rich for viewers, and so like that that is like for me in recent history like a real a real standout. Um, but but you know also it kind of comes up. It's interesting even in Parakeet that the novel I mentioned I just read there is this short passage where um, the main character is talking about an old friend from high school and about and basically questioning whether they have ever really been as close as she thinks they are when she uses a label like best friend and like um and and also describing you know in a really kind of evocative way for me the slow fade experience that I think most of us have had in friendship um, on one side or the other and so it's it's interesting because like we talk a lot about you know it's like you can talk about the Ferrante novels or um, Tony Morrison's Sula is another one but for me a lot of the standouts um, narratively about friendship are in spaces that are not ostensibly like a friendship book TM you know like are the are these little moments that happen um, in the course of like a bigger a bigger novel or a a bigger television series all
0: right so as as besties do you two share books together do you ever read books at the same time what is your shared bestie reading experience like
3: um i mean i think i don't believe that we have read a book together at the same time i think sometimes uh coincidentally we are reading the same books um but, my favorite thing is when you know, like Anne mentions a book that she's reading and uh, and I pick that up because I think that it's it's always so uh, it's always like really fun for me to to just like pick up on those small things of like okay, like this is this is a thing that you're doing. i I want to know more. like I wonder what I wonder what like this is bringing up for you. but um we are we're definitely not um you know, like in a book club together, but. Um, you know, I've also been very delighted to receive books from Anne, uh, with usually like with a note about the exact specific part that she, you know, like things that I would identify with or a thing that I would find interesting. So I think it really varies, but we're both, um, you know, I think it's fair to say that we're both big readers. And we've also had the experience of being like,
2: oh wait, you just read that? I just read that too. And then we kind of have the retroactive book club, like, um, even if we're not reading it at the same time in real time. That's adorable. That is super fun. Uh, So as readers, what are both of your wheelhouses? What are
0: subject or tropes that will always get you to pick up a book?
3: I mean, I am a very boring, like I love nonfiction. Um, If it's a book about an idea, I will always pick it up even if it peters out halfway through because I, I, I really just admire the stamina that it takes to, to, to explore like your, to explore your ideas in like a hundred thousand words. Um, in fiction, I will say that if it's a story about like a complicated family, sign me up, uh, you know, sprawling, multi-generational, uh, multi-country narrative I'm there for, and I am a sucker for a short story collection, uh, predominantly like written by people of color. Oh my God, I also
2: love a multi-generational epic in fiction. Like there is something about the perspective of like being able to, it's almost godlike, right? Like a a novel like Pachinko or Homegoing, being able to give you this like sweeping view of like something that is happening through the lens of like generations. I really, I also really value that. Um, I also think that a real catnip for me in a description of a book, in nonfiction in particular, like essays, is when um, a reviewer or a description is sort of like it's hard to explain what this is really about. Like I'm like yes, <laughs> I would <laughs> bring it on. I want to read. Um, I want to read how this is like a complicated take on things that I did not realize were really connected. Like, and I I know that's not like a genre or anything, but um, you know, there's a new Eulabis book out, and I think it's like, uh, it's about something that's like you know, like the pandemic and white womanhood. And there was like a third thing. And I was like, yes, sign me up. Like, I love, I love her work. I love reading essays. I love like, um, let's connect the dots between things.
0: Amazing. So where can we buy Big Friendship and where can we listen to your podcast?
3: You can buy Big Friendship wherever books are sold. We would love it if you bought it from your local indie bookstore or better yet, just borrowed it from the library. Um, and you, you can listen um, to our podcast and find out everything about that at callyourgirlfriend.com and all things Big Friendship are at bigfriendship.com. And where can we find you both online? Oh my God, please I don't think we're late- linked. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, truly, you can find me online. <laughs> truly, that's where I'm at. I was like, uh, please, uh, let's like stop with the internet. Just kidding.
2: <laughs> we're linked we are linked from those various websites so it's like an easy it's an easy point of entry to our other our other stuff and you know what else works is google um but yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> Isn't, uh, i truly wish that more people would just just google things um thank you both so much for joining us thank you, you very us.
3: much have a wonderful day
0: Now it's time to solve a reader problem from one of our listeners. Haley writes in, I read a lot of nonfiction. And with preference to books about history and or gender studies, as you can imagine, this brings me into contact with some very heavy material and subjects, but I love it. I love learning new things and feel a sense of purpose when I read about something that hegemonic culture tries to bring down. Even when I do read fiction, I end up reading things like The Song of Achilles or Codename Verity or Children of Blood and Bone, all great, but not known for being uplifting. This means that when I get excited about a book and want to discuss it with my friends or family, they regularly tell me that I should lighten things up or ask me to change the topic, or what have you. I understand that a lot of what I, I read asks for emotional labor, but I also genuinely want to share what I'm currently passionate about. Should I try branching out with my reading, or who I'm discussing it with? Bria, what should Haley do?
1: Well, Haley, I mean, this is tough, and I totally get it. You're excited about what you're reading, and you're telling people, but they are not excited about it. <laughs> um, I have this feeling every, this happens to me every time I try to tell my boyfriend about some book I'm reading, I'll be like, do you want to know what I'm reading? And he's like, is it about an apocalypse? And I'm like, yes. And he's like, yeah, that's all, I don't need to know anything else. I got it. I got it. Um, he'd already, he's already heard enough. There's only so many apocalypses you can hear about. This is this is uh li- <laughs> dating Bria Grant. <laughs> is- exactly. Um <laughs> So I I get it. I think I think the key is to finding people about finding people who do want to hear about this. Going yes. on to Goodreads, um, talking to people about about it there. Going onto social media and uh, recommending these books to people because it might spark a conversation with someone who's already read the book. Um, I think you can definitely find people who are interested in this. Um, also, maybe there are. I was thinking. Maybe there are some lighter things in the books you could bring up, like like um, hold on to those facts to drop them at some point in time, you know, so you you do have things that you can talk about. So like you go see a movie that doesn't pass the Bechdel test or something, and you can drop that knowledge that you've learned or something along those lines. Because um, I do know that like, you know, we all love to drop a nonfiction, a nonfiction Ugh. fact. Um, and I think truly that that is like my love language is telling someone a fact. And I feel like Haley probably also loves this, but maybe her facts are just ones that people are like, please don't talk about rape statistics to me. Um, which I I imagine imagine that like record
0: screech like record scratch moment happens in the movie when like Hallie's at a party or Haley's at a party and like trying to talk about a book and everyone's like, wait, what? they
1: like, wait, we were just talking about popsicles or yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like something real casual. Um, so I think finding, I mean, I do think these people are letting you know what their boundaries are and that's good for them. I don't feel like you should force these things onto people, but I wonder if there are, there is like a middle ground in which you can talk about some of this stuff without it being
0: so dark uh what is your your advice for Haley? i well i also absolutely 100 percent relate to this uh i am the same way with my nonfiction, uh and i hear you it is totally tough uh no one wants you to bust in and like hey let's talk about some depressing shit when they're like trying to eat dinner and stuff uh so i recently read allison wood's memoir being lolita uh which i recommended in our newsletter and it it's an amazing book, and I really, really wanted to talk about it because it's about – it's a memoir of a woman who was groomed by her English teacher uh, to be in a relationship with him when she was in high school. Uh, and poor Lauren and Jeremy were like, Jesus Christ, Mallory. This is way too – because I was like, oh, I want to talk about this book. And they were like, Mallory, it's like 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> we can't talk about yeah. this stuff. So. <laughs> um, So I think I I think Haley should uh, either join or even start a book club. You know, there's Mm. plenty of online book clubs that are meeting via Zoom right now. And in the wake of everything that's been happening in the country, there's so many folks that are wanting to both read and discuss books that tackle serious issues. There's a lot of people out there that are uh, becoming more like finally aware of racist issues and misogynist issues and all kinds of things. And they not only, you know, want to support these books and and read them and get them from the library, but they also want somebody to talk about them. Uh, so I think a book club is really key and it would be f- absolutely fantastic and if, even if you can't find one you can make one that's what social media is great for and, and that way you can actually discuss it instead of just like springing random facts on folks when they're like trying to eat their breakfast like <laughs> <laughs> you know it, cause it's because it's and I do really appreciate that Haley is, is recognizing that talking about this stuff is an act of emotional labor you know poor Jeremy doesn't want to come home from work and, uh, and I'm making dinner And I'm like, hey, do you want to talk about grooming? Uh, high school students and he's like actually no, <laughs> no thank you <laughs> i truly can i just have a quesadilla can i really truly but do not someone want to does is the point but somebody someone does. does yes yes, in, yes. And all of us and i know that after because after you read a book you know it's in your head and you're thinking about it a lot and maybe if you've been alone all day or like you live alone you know you're ruminating on it and you're like really want to talk about this stuff with folks i totally get that and like then you see the next person you see you're like ha! i will t- talk to them about this thing but they may be just like really not in the headspace for that which is you know because we're all stuck in quarantine and things are tough and people really might not want to talk about those things Mm -hmm. so i appreciate haley recognizing that fact but so i I think me and prayer agreement you got to find some folks to talk about it with
1: yeah and i I think those folks are um, probably on the internet i do think the internet is
0: going to be a friend
1: in this one and there are a lot of people who i think you're right they're trying to like start these kind of book clubs start like very educational um uh book clubs where where you can learn
0: things about what's going on right now and i think that there's going to be quite a few that haley can find Absolutely. So if you want us to solve your reader problem, you can send it to ReadingGlassesPodcast at gmail.com. As always, one of the Danielle and Kathy and Jessica who run our Facebook group and Christy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember that you can buy Reading Glasses tote bags, stickers, shirts, bookmarks, all kinds of cute, fun things. Actually, I think the bookmarks might be out of stock. I think we stole, sold out of Reading Glasses bookmarks, but the rest of the stuff is still there. It's in in the MaxFun store. That's a link in the show notes. And uh, if you were interested in getting a Libro FM subscription uh, that helps reading glasses there's a link to that in the show notes as well and if you like the show please rate and review us on iTunes we're over a thousand we are so excited Ooh. at least in the, in the US anyway if you have an idea for something that we should do to celebrate please send it our way it, um, but keep keep please keep reviewing us if we get to 2000 that'll be even more exciting it's great for us it helps us reach more listeners it makes us feel amazing about ourselves you can email us at reading at gmail.com find us on Twitter at reading G podcast on Instagram at reading glasses podcast you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag reading glasses podcast thanks for listening and thanks for reading